In this second ball game, the leadoff batter for the Houston Astros will be the second baseman, Julio Gotay. Batting second and playing shortstop, Lee Bale. Batting third in center field, Jim Wynn. Batting fourth and playing first base, Doug Rader. Batting fifth and playing right field, Rusty Staub. Batting sixth and playing third base, Bob Aspermani. Batting seventh and left field, Aaron Pointer. Batting eighth and catching, Dave Adlish. And the pitcher, Wade Blassingame, batting ninth. The Astros are winning the first ball game. Now have won 64 ball games this year. They have lost 89. And in winning that first ball game, they have clinched the overall series between the Astros and Mets. They have won 10 of 15 games played for the total of three more to come along this year. For the New York Mets, Mets changing their lineup considerably. The leadoff batter will be the right fielder, Amos Otis. Batting second and playing first base, Ed Cranepool. Batting third and playing second base, Bob Johnson. Batting fourth and playing left field, Tommy Davis. Batting fifth and playing shortstop, Jerry Buchak. Batting sixth and playing third base, Joe Mook. Batting seventh and playing center field, Don Bosch. Batting eighth and catching, Jerry Grody. And the pitcher, Chuck McGraw, batting ninth. And now the New York Mets have taken the field. Mets have a record of 57 wins and 95 losses. And this game, the second game of a four-game series. Tomorrow the Mets take on the Astros in a single night game at 8 o'clock. The starting pitchers will be Tom Seaver for the Mets going for his 16th win. He has won more games than any other Mets pitcher in any single year. He has a record of 15 and 12. And the Astros will be going with Dave Justy, who has won 11 and lost 15. Then the final game of the year here in Shea Stadium on Sunday... They met in a single game at 2 o'clock, and that will close out the 1967 season here in New York City. Right here, we're all set to go in the second game of this doubleheader, and Tommy Davis, who held up the first ball game for a period while he went in from left field to the dugout, now coming out late as we have been waiting for him to start the second ball game. The cheer in the background for Tommy as he appeared on the field and is now trotting out to left field. The other Mets out there waiting. Lead-off batter for the Houston Astros, Julio Gochai, right-hand batter. He did not play in the first ball game. He takes the next delivery low, and it's one and one. It'll be Julio Gochai, Lee Bales, and Jim Wynn for Chuck McGraw. Jim Busby, the coach at third. Nellie Fox, the coach at first. Now a pitch back in. A called strike two. One ball and two strikes. The umpires, Frank Desiland behind home plate. Jim Landis is at first base. Ed Vargo at second base. Stan Landis, I should say, is at first base. Now a swing and a miss. Strike three. And Doug McGraw on a fastball strikes out the first man of the game. Along with Ed Vargo at second base, we have Augie Donatelli, the umpire, at third. And we pause now for station identification. This is the New York Mets Baseball Network. Really playing a spirited game, Harry. All right, Bill. Here on WGY, 10 on your dial. Good night, Ralph Kiner, along with Lindsey Nelson and Bob Murphy from Shea Stadium in Flushing, New York. And the first pitch to Lee Bales, who was one for four in the first ball game, is taken low. It's ball one. games here, the doubleheader, it was a parade of banners. I don't know how many they had, but it had to be in the thousands. 
penetrated through from center field into home plate and then a round out by third and first. Quite a sight and really a lot of fun to see the kids out here and some lot of adults too with banners marching on by. Some beautiful banners. One ball, one strike. Bales back up to the plate. And the pitch by McGraw. Curveball. It hangs up too high. Two balls, one strike. Doug McGraw's most singular accomplishment was when he beat Sandy Koufax, and that was the best and first win the Mets ever had over Sandy. Now the left-hander into the windup, and the pitch back to the plate is a high fastball off the glove of Jerry Grody. That puts the count at 3-1. and one. Mets have Jerry Grody catching at first base, Ed Cranepool at second base, Bob Johnson at shortstop, Jerry Buchek, at third base, Joe Mook, Tommy Davis in left field, Don Bosch in center field, and Amos Otis in right. Now the next pitch is high, and it's ball four. And the Astros have their first base runner as Lee Bales walks. Now with one away here in the top of the first, the batter will be Jim Wynn, the center fielder. Wynn has 37 home runs, 105 runs batted in. He's batting 256. In the first game, he was one for five. Stands with a close stance. Stands very much like Willie Mays at the plate. Where's his number, number 24? Now a big curveball breaking in a called strike. And Karen leads the National League in home runs with 38. A throw to first base. Cranepool takes the throw in the dirt. No chance for a tag. Bales back easy. McGraw was on the pitching rubber. He stepped off and then faked the throw to first base. Now he sets up and the pitch to the plate is granted out towards shortstop. Too slow for two. They get the force play at second base. And no throw as Bob Johnson has to jump over. Lee Bales who made a hard slide into second base. He had no chance for the double play. Jim Wynn can fly down that line. So the Mets on the force play with Wynn taking over at first base. That picked up their second out. That brings up the first baseman, Doug Rader. Doug in the first ball game was 0 for 4. Right-hand batter hitting 346 in 43 games. And the first pitch is in for a call strike. Jim Wynn at first base has 15 stolen bases. He's been thrown out three times. He draws another throw. We're in the top of the first inning of the second game. The first game won by the Astros, 8-0. Now McGraw comes to the plate. And the pitch is a screwball that is over the outside corner. A call strike two. Tug has developed a change of pace that he turns over and it breaks down on the way from a right-hand batter. Richie did not have, but he was up here last year in the Major League. Throws the screwball for a changeup. He has a good big curveball, his best pitch. And a fastball. Now he looks at first base and comes to the plate, and the pitch is swung on and missed strike three. And again, the turnover on the fastball, and that retires the side. No run, no hit to walk, 
two strikeouts, a man left at first base, and the score at the end of the first half inning. The Astros nothing, the Mets coming up. They're all here, and they're all at Armory Garage, Central at Calvin in Albany. The brand new Imperial, Chrysler, and Plymouth cars for 1968 are really automotive leaders. So, stop in and see the stars. There's a... Five and six this year. He was three and seven with the Braves last year. He was traded to the Astros for Claude Raymond, who went to the Braves. Against the Mets, he's won one and lost none this year. His next delivery is high, but it's swung on. And he count now one and two. Lifetime against the Mets, he has the best record of any pitcher who has not lost to the Mets. He has won six and lost none. Don Drysdale has won more games against the Mets. He has won 21 and lost three. One-two pitch is taken in the dirt. It's two balls and two strikes. After Amos Otis, Ed Cranepool and Bob Johnson. Yogi Bear, the coach at first base. Solly Parker, the coach at third. And the next pitch is in the dirt. It bounces away in the count full now. Three balls and two strikes. In the second game of the doubleheader, Boston now without a run. Baltimore coming up. Jose Santiago against Pete Rickard. Boston has yet to score a run in the doubleheader. They lost the first game 10 to nothing. And they have dropped out of first place. Minnesota in winning took over first. Now the next pitch is outside ball four. And the Mets have their first man on. That brings up Eddie Crane for At the end of three and a half innings, Cleveland won. The White Sox nothing. Peters and Keon, the opposing pitchers. In the second game of Detroit's doubleheader, it's no score after one. Rolich and Barry Moore, the opposing pitchers. Detroit won the first game 8-3 to three, as Wilson got his 22nd win. Ed Greenpool, the batter, he was one for four in the first game. And the first pitch is hit down by the first baseman on a hit-and-run play. Amos Otis goes to third, and Greenpool stays at first. So a walk and one pitch, and the Mets have runners at first and third. And Ed Greenpool now is in eight consecutive ball games, and that brings up Bob Johnson with no one out in the bottom half of the first. Bob Johnson did not play in the first ball game. He's batting 339 in 86 games with five home runs and 25 runs batted in. Greenpool, before the hit, was batting 273. And now, blasting game with the first pitch to Bob Johnson, the right-hand batter. It's low in, inside, ball one. Dave Adlitz, the catcher for the Astros. Doug Rader is at first base. Rainbow being held there. And the left-hander back, and the pitch is taken high and away. It's ball two. Two balls, no strike. Julio Gotay is at second base. Shortstop is Lee Bales, the third baseman Bob Astromani, Aaron Pointer in left field, Jim Wynn in center field, and Rusty Staub in right. Two balls, no strike. Passing game back, and the pitch is hit foul back out of play. That puts it at two balls and one. Wind blowing out toward left field. A good breeze here at Shea Stadium on a cool evening. 
left-hander sets again and comes back again, and the pitch is high. A hard fastball missing. Three balls, one strike. Signs go out. Infielders being played back. And now the pitch to Johnson, and it's hit in the hole. The deep shortstop knocked down by Lee Bales. Coming across for the first run of the day for the New York Mets is Amos Otis, and the Mets take the lead one to nothing on the run batted in by Bob Johnson, his 26th this year. Going down to second base ahead of the play. Eddie Greenbull. Brings up Tommy Davis. Those runners at first and second and no one out here in the bottom half of the first. Tommy was 0 for 3 in the first game. His average of 3.05. And blasting game with his first pitch to Davis. And it's low and inside ball one. The phone is ringing in the dugout and on out to the bullpen. And we're getting some action in the bullpen for the Astros. First three batters have reached, and Tommy Davis batting with a count at one ball and no strike. So Dave Eilers has given the message to warm up by manager Grady Hatton of the Astros. Watching game once again sets. His pitch back to Tommy Davis is fouled off. So the count at one ball and one strike. Tommy did not play in the full game of the first game. After the Astros had a big lead, he was rested by manager Saldy Parker, who is going to run the ball club now that Wes Westrum has resigned for the rest of the season. One ball, one strike. And the pitch. Changeup almost over the top of the glove of Dave Adley, the catcher. Two balls, one strike. Washington game hasn't pitched a ball game since July 26. He's been bothered by a shore soldier, and I'm going to get that all fouled up. That's a word I never could say. Shoulder, a bad arm. He's throwing hard here tonight. Next pitch back is high, and it's ball three. Three balls, one shot. So blasting game, showing signs of not having worked. Off with his control out in front of the plate before delivering the ball back to the pitcher. At three and one, no one out. Runners at first and second. A run in in the bottom half of the first. Once again, Adley sends the sign. And blasting game with the pitch. And it's hit in the right field, a base hit. Rainbow comes to third base. He's being sent in. Rusty Stop fires the ball home. Rainbow slides and he is out. stays at second base on the play at the plate. So the Mets lose a run on a base hit to right center field by Tommy Davis. Astros get their first out on the base hit, and the Mets now have runners at first and second. And the batter is Gary Butchak.
Belichick played shortstop in the latter part of the game in the first game. He was one for two. And he's playing shortstop in this game. Big play at the plate. The throw by Rusty Staub is right on the nose. The big play behind the play was Bob Johnson not going to third. Now the first pitch to Jerry Buczak. And it swung on strike one. game slowing down the pace somewhat now gets set and his pitch back to Buczek is in the dirt a breaking ball it's one ball one strike Jerry Buczek's batting 239 with 11 home runs and 32 runs batted in Tommy Davis with that single with Cranepool at second base was bidding for his 74th RBI and he couldn't get it on the fine throw by Rusty Stout Rusty has a good arm The 1-1 pitch is over the inside corner. Paul strike two. On the play at the plate, technically, if Johnson had gone to third, it would set up the fact for Tommy Davis to go on down to second, and the Mets would not have lost their base position, even though they had an out on the play. One ball, two strikes. And the pitch. It is hit out to second base. A good shot for two. Goes high over to Bales. A throw on the first base. The Raiders in time, a double play. In the inning, the Mets score one run on three hits. There were no errors, and one man was left on. And the score at the end of one, the Mets won, the Astros nothing. The final day of the season here at Chase Stadium. The last home game will be Sunday afternoon, day after tomorrow, when the New York Mets take on the Houston Astros, and that will be Fan Appreciation Day. Every fan, every boy, every girl, man or woman entering Chase Stadium that day will receive an attractive Mets family hat. It's orange and blue, the Mets colors with white piping, and also uh, has a neat Mets emblem. The cap will fit all sizes. And so, if you come out to the ballpark on Sunday afternoon, on Fan Appreciation Day, you'll receive an attractive Met family hat. And every member of the family will receive one. The Mets will finish up on Sunday and then go on the road, playing three games in San Francisco and four in Los Angeles. The season finale will be for the Mets this year in Los Angeles. On Sunday afternoon, October 1st. Right here, we're going to the top half of the second inning and coming in once again for the play-by-play, Ralph Kank. Okay, Lindsey Nelson, it's a one nothing game. The Mets in front. Anton McGraw, who pitched the first inning, pitched the four batters, struck out two and walked one, now getting set for the second. His first man will be Rusty Saab, who had three hits and five times up in the first ball game. And it was his fine throw that cut off a run in the first inning in the second ball game. Rusty batting 340, a left-hand batter. This is his 521st time to the plate. Rusty is in a three-way tie with Matty Alou and Tony Gonzalez for second 
in the batting race in the National League. Looks like Clemente is going to pick up his fourth batting title. Next pitch to the plate after a strike is called a ball. One ball, one strike. Many batting 354 this year. Now the pitch back call ball two. Two balls, one strike. The 2-1 pitch is high and it's ball three. Three balls, one strike. Rusty's job has 43 two-base hits. And he leads the National League in that department and leads Kameni, who has 36. He has a club record of 177 hits in one season. Now the next pitch is inside, ball four. Doug McGraw walking his second man and walking the lead batter here in the second. That brings up Bob Astromani. Bob was two for four in the first game. His average now an even 300. Five home runs and 55 runs batted in. And the curveball by McGraw breaks over a call strike. McGraw back and the one strike pitch is high. And it's one ball and one strike. In McGraw's very first appearance for the Mets this year, he retired the first 10 batters. But then he got wild and lost the ball game. The 1-1 pitch. Back to Aspenwani. Hit right back at Doug McGraw. He throws the second base to Bob Johnson, who drops the ball, but he picks it up and stays on the bag and also tags out. Rusty stops. That's losing a possible double play, but he's backing him out at second base for the first out of the inning. Throw was a perfect throw to Bob Johnson. He was in a hurry to get it off the first and dropped it. the batter is Aaron Pointer, the left fielder. Aaron batting 195, a right-hand batter, and he takes the first pitch to call strike. The Banner Day Parade involved 3,700 people and involved 2,317 banners. That took place between games here tonight. Next pitch is in the dirt. A changeup bounced about three feet in front of home plate. Blocked nicely by Jerry Grody, and the runner holds it first. Bob Aspermani there. delivery, out of play on the right side. One ball, two strikes. The Mets won, the Astros nothing. Mets have one run and three hits. The Astros have no runs and no hits, and they have a runner at first base. Bob Astromani there as a result of hitting into a force play after a walk to Rusty Scott. At the end of two, Boston nothing, Baltimore nothing. Boston yet to score a run. Baltimore won the first game 10 to 0 in the doubleheader. At the end of one and a half innings, Detroit nothing, Washington nothing. Now the next pitch is swung on and missed. And then Doug McGraw with that screwball picking up a strikeout, his third in the ballgame. That's his second out, and it brings up the catcher, Dave Adley. In that first game, Detroit won over Washington 8-3. to 
Chicago playing at Cleveland, a single game, and at the end of four and a half innings, Cleveland won, Chicago nothing. Kansas City three, California nothing after three. Hamilton knocked out of the box. Simmons now pitching for the Angels. First pitch to Dave Adlish is bounced in the dirt again, about two feet in front of home plate, and again blocked by Jerry Grody nicely, and Bob Astromani has to stay at first. in away in the tap of the second. Mets won, the Astros nothing. First game won by the Astros, eight to nothing. And the next pitch is swung on and fouled back. Ball hit against the screen, the count now one ball, one strike. Dave Adlich is batting 151. He has been in 36 previous ball games, has one home run and three runs batted in. Now McGraw ready, and the pitch back is the screwball, and it's outside. Two balls, one strike. Doug McGraw's labeled screwball is not a screwball per se like Carl Hubble's. It's a turnover changeup. Next pitch is a line drive into left center field, a base hit. I'd go for two. After money goes to third base, unmolested. The throw goes into second base, and it's in time as Tommy Davis cuts it off. And now the Astros have runners at first and third in their very first base hit in the ballgame. That brings up the pitcher, Wade Blassingame. Wade is a good hitting pitcher. Blassingame, game, a left-hand batter, stands with a cold stance. Got his first major league home run against the Mets while pitching for the Milwaukee Braves. And Tug McGraw with runners at first and third working from the set position. And the first pitch is in a called strike. McGraw should equalize blasting game as he is a left-hand pitcher pitching to a left-hand batter. When you talk of pitchers and being good hitters as pitchers, it's usually always against a pitcher who throws from the other side. Now the one-strike delivery. It's in the dirt, low, not quite in the dirt. One ball, one strike. I don't believe you can name a pitcher that was a hitter that ever hit real well against a pitcher who threw from the same side of the plate that the pitcher batted on. Now a pitch in the dirt, bouncing away from Jerry Grody. Coming in from third base is Bob Astromani. He's safe. The throw is on by Cut McGraw, but backed up nicely by Joe Mook. And the runner at first base, Dave Adlich, got down to second base and had to hold there. So on the wild pitch, it's a tie ball game. The score now one to one. And although Jerry Grody had blocked three before, that one was out in front of the plate again, and it got away. The count on the pitcher, Wade Blasting game, two balls, one strike. Astros have a run now on one base hit. Adlis with a short lead at second, and now the pitch back to the plate is swung on and fouled back against the screen. Two balls, two strikes.
Larry Grody, the sign's out. Outfield very shallow in center field. Left and right. And the pitch. It is just outside. It's ball three. Three balls, two strikes. On deck batter, the second baseman, Julio Gotai. A right-hand batter. Three and two. Two men away. A runner at second. The score, one to one. And the pitch at 3-2 is in there. A call, strike three. And that retires the side. Fourth strikeout for Chuck McGraw. But the Astros tied up the ball game, scoring a run on one hit. There were no errors. A wild pitch, and one man was left at second base. And the score at the end of one and a half innings. The Astros won. The Mets won. And now here's the word from Rango. Found a high spot. You're sitting up in the shade. What a day to lean back with a head as tall and proud as that tube in the back row. Rheingold. So extra dry, you can stay with it clear to the end of the parade and still have room for more. So make it Mr. Beer. the bottom half of the second inning. The score tied one to one and the Mets coming up and the first batter will be Joe Mook, the third baseman. Joe, a left-hand batter. Former all-around athlete at LSU and the first pitch by Wade Blassing game is swung on and popped up on the third base side. Bob Astromani right near his third base position. Moves back and makes the catch for the out. So, blasting game. Gets an out on one pitch, and we pause now for station identification. This is the New York Mets Baseball Network. Do you think the Mets can do it, Harry? Right, Bill. Here on WGY, set on your dial and connect to New York. Ralph Kiner along with Lindsey Nelson and Bob Murphy from Shea Stadium. The score tied 1-1. One one. First game won by the Astros, 8-0. And now the batter for the Mets is John Bosch. Don looks at the first pitch. It's in there for a called strike. Bosch is batting right-handed against the left-hander. And his average 155. Blossom game back, and the pitch is swung on in foul tip. Strike two. Astros one run on one hit. The Mets have one run and three. Now Blasting game back again, and the pitch is down low. One and two. Ball dropped by the catcher, Dave Adler, and picked right up again. Blasting game takes the signs, goes into the windup, kicks and comes back again, and this time low again, bouncing the ball off the plate. Two balls, two strikes. Frank Desilin has to go out and dust off the plate. The home plate umpire at first base, Stan Landis at second base, Ed Vargo at third base. Augie Donatelli. Now the 2-2 pitch. And it's swung on MS strike three. And Blashing Game gets his first strikeout. And that's his second out here in the bottom half of the second. That brings up the catcher, Jerry Grody. Bosch had batted one time in the first game as a pinch hitter and had struck out. 
Now Jerry Grody comes up. He was 0 for 2 in the first game. He played the first part, and Greg Goosen came on to finish up when the Mets got behind. First pitch is high, a hard, high fastball. It's ball one. Blasting game back, and the one older delivery is swung on and missed. One ball, one strike. Now the signs are out, and the pitch comes back in. And a change curve is way up and outside. It's two balls and one strike. the left-hander back at 2-1 and the pitch is fouled out of play. Two balls, two strikes. Two balls, two strikes, two men out. Bottom half of the second, a 1-1 ball game. And the pitch back is grounded foul to the left side to Salty Parker, who is coaching the third base. He is running the ball club. One of the cute signs we saw out here among the 2,317 banners that they showed was one that said, Will success spoil Salty Parker? Now at 2-2, the pitch, it is high and it's ball three. Three balls, two strikes. Salty is going to run the ball club for the rest of the season, and that's it. He prefers to be a coach and wants to stay in the major leagues as a coach. He played 11 games in the major leagues in his major league career. Now a swing and a miss, strike three, and a 1-2-3 inning for Wade Blasting game with two strikeouts. And the score at the end of one and a half innings. The Astros won at the end of two innings, pardon me. The Astros won, the Mets won. Going now to the top of the third. The Astros won, the Mets won, and the leadoff batter for the Astros coming up, Julio Gotay. I don't know what that was, Lindsay, but looking over to our left, I saw a big sheet of paper. There's some wind blowing here that flew over the top of the television where Bob Murphy's doing the ball game, and if that was his score sheet, he's in trouble. I thought Murphy jumped out of the booth. <laughs> now the first pitch to Gotay has popped up. And Eddie Greenpool has a shot at it in foul territory, and he makes the catch. Kotai had struck out his first time up. He's 0 for 2 now. Batting 284. You ever have that happen to you, Lindsay, during a football game or a baseball game and lose your score sheet? I've had it happen at golf tournaments where you had everything down and the whole thing blew away. And it gets interesting from then on. You got to ad lib pretty crazy. Now the batter is Lee Bales, and he takes the first pitch by Tug McGraw, and it's called a ball. Lee walked his first time up. One for four in the first ball game. The Rays' average to 143. Lee has only played in 16 ball games. Now the right-hand batter, who is a switch hitter, swung and foul tipped the next pitch. It's one ball and one strike. Well, we know the banner numbers. The banner parade, grand prize number 20. When spring comes, the Mets will have a vision. Would you believe? 
first division. Now a foul ball hit back over the top. And he got one ball and two strikes. This banner was also a winner of more than two divisions. In the bottom half of the third, a check swing and a ground ball. Head out toward first base. Frameful has it. Throws to McGraw covering for the out. Second out of the inning. In the bottom half of the third, Baltimore scored two runs and a two-run double by Kurt Bluffery. And they have taken the lead in that second game, two to nothing after three. Santiago and Rickard. First game, Baltimore knocked Boston out of first place, winning 10 to nothing. Minnesota Twins beat the Yankees 8 to 2. They are in first place no matter what happens tonight. Jim Lynn, the batter. Jim hit into a force play his first time up. One for four in the first game, and his average is 255. 37 home runs, and the first pitch by Chuck McGraw is inside. He has to move away. The 1-0 pitch is down low, and it's two balls, no strikes. When spring comes, the Mets will have a vision. Would you believe first division? The grand prize. Here, banner night. Now a hard swing and a miss. Two balls, one strike. Jim Wynn spinning all the way around and the bat slipping out of his hand. Dropping behind him. Jim wearing number 24 and hitting a lot like Willie Mays as far as the stance is concerned. A high pop-up in the infield. The second baseman Bob Johnson right on the bag, straddling the bag and making the catch to retire the side. Doug McGraw for the first time, 1-2-3 against the Astros and the score at the end of two and a half innings. The Astros won, the Mets won. They're all here and they're all at Armory Garage, Central at Colton and Albany. The brand new Imperial, Chrysler and Plymouth cars for 1968 are really automotive leaders. So stop in and see the stars. There's Imperial, the Crown Imperial, and the most luxurious of them all, the Imperial LeBaron. And then there's Chrysler with the New Yorker, 300, Custom Newport, Newport, and Town and Country Wagon. You'll see all the new Plymouth, the Fury, Sports Fury, VIP, and the new Sports Fury Wagon. There'll be Belvedere's, Satellites, Sports Satellites, and the new Satellite Sport Wagon, not to mention the GTX and the exciting new Roadrunner. There's also the Sporty Barracuda, and the economical Valiant, and Valiant Signet models. It's the biggest opening selection in Armory's 49-year history. So don't miss the excitement at Central and Colvin in Albany, where Armory Garage, the largest Chrysler Plymouth dealer in the Northeast, has taken the wraps off the breathtaking lineup for 1968. Going now to the bottom half of the third, the Mets are up, and the first batter against Wade Blassingame, who has given up one run and three hits, will be Doug McGraw, the pitcher for the Mets, who has given up one run and one hit. Doug coming up has batted twice before this year. He's 0 for 2. Well, the paid attendance here today, 13,342. 3,177 midget Mets. Banner Day participants, 3,709. The total, 20,852. And the first pitch to Chuck McGraw in front of the 20,000 crowd is inside ball one. Now 
next pitch hit down the line is going to be a base hit. Draws going for two. Goodbye has it. He might have a play. The throw to second. Not in time as the draw flies in safely. McGraw with a broken bat base hit. The ball hit off the end of the bat over the top of the first baseman's head. Godai couldn't get to it. It was fair by about two feet. And the Mets have a tie-breaking runner at second base with no one out here in the bottom half of the third. And the batter coming up is Amos Otis. Otis walked on four pitches his first time up. Beg your pardon. He walked in the three-two pitches first time up. Moved over to third on a perfect hit-and-run play by Ed Cranepool and then scored on a base hit by Bob Johnson. Some more prizes on Banner Night in the one-man division. First prize, the Mets are kings of Queens. Of course, speaking of the borough here in the area where the Mets play ball in Flushing. First pitch to Otis is inside a breaking ball, ball one. Second prize... My mummy loves Sloboda so much, she even has four kids, which is a reference to his number four. I see a lot of good humor out there. One ball, no strike count. McGraw with a short lead at second base, no one out. And the pitch to Otis is hit foul to the right side into the stand. One and one. We're going to be talking and looking at these banners on our post-game show here tonight after this ball game. Talking with the participants that made them up and carried them around. Now time is called as Amos Otis steps back out of the batter's box. Amos batting 294. Blasting game goes to the rosin bag and time is called as Otis again steps out of the batter's box. One ball, one strike. And the pitch. It is taken outside. A change up, it's two and one. Willard Mullen, famed cartoonist, and Bill Gallo, also a cartoonist of renown were the judges of the contest. Two balls, one strike. Glassing game sets up again. And the pitch. It is bunted out toward first base. Taking the ball up as glassing game. He has a play at first base to Raider. Doug Raider making the catch. And on the play, Tom McGraw goes over to third. So on the sacrifice, and it was sort of a gambling sacrifice, because... Amos Otis was trying to bunt the ball for a base hit. The Mets have a runner at third base for Ed Cranville with one man out. Ed singled his first time up. He now has hit an eight consecutive ball game and has averaged 275. Ed is batting second in the batting order tonight. Infield is in and the first pitch is fouled off. It's strike one. Red 
got on base. He was thrown out trying to score from second base on a single to right field by Tommy Davis. Big play by Rusty Stop in this ball game so far. Score tied one to one. The Mets losing the chance to score on the fine throw. One strike count. Blasting game checks at third, goes into the short windup and comes to the plate. And the pitch is hit out to center field. It'll slow run and might be a base hit. Coming over to make a great catch is Jim Wynn. He now tries to fire it home, but Doug McGraw slides in safely with a go-ahead run. Jim Wynn making a fine running catch, catching the ball right off his shoe tops with a one-hand grab. Made a good throw home after straightening up, but it was too late. And the Mets now lead 2-1. to one. Run batted in for Eddie Cranville on the sacrifice fly, his 53rd. That'll bring up the second baseman, Bob Johnson. Bob singled his first time up, an infield hit to the shortstop. And his average now 342 for his 219 times up. Mets have two runs on four hits. The Astros have one run and one base hit. First pitch to Johnson. A change up. It's taken outside. Ball one. One old delivery is swung on and missed. A high fastball. One ball, one strike. We'll have a rundown of all the scores in the major leagues right after this half inning. the pitch back again a change a change curve and it's inside two balls one strike that's now in 65 home dates have drawn a million five hundred thirty three thousand five hundred seventy six two one pitch up high and it's ball three three and one and Tommy Davis on deck let's have a Single night game tomorrow night at State Night at Chase Stadium. Tom Seaver against Dave Jesse. Tom going for his 16th win. Jesse going for his 12th. And a single game on Sunday, which is Fan Appreciation Day. A ground ball hits down the third base. Astromani goes over to make the play in front of the shortstop. They throw the first bases in time to Doug Rader, and the side is retired. And the end, the Mets score a run on a base hit. There were no errors, and no one left on base. And the score at the end of three. The Mets 2, the Astros 1. In the National League, the Cubs beat Cincinnati 3-2 to, to help out San Francisco in their drive for first place. The winning pitcher was Joe Necro. The losing pitcher was Billy McCool. At the end of one half inning, Atlanta won off Mike Perez, the St. Louis Cardinals, coming up to bat. Batting against LeMaster. Also scheduled, Philadelphia against the Dodgers, Pittsburgh against San Francisco. In the American League, Minnesota beat the Yankees to win their fifth consecutive ball game. The winning pitcher Jim got his 15th win against 13 losses. Mel Sotomayor losing. He is now 14 and 14. Tovar had two home runs. Versailles had one home run. And the Twins taking over first place in the American League race no matter what happens tonight. Baltimore knocked Boston out of first place, winning 10 to nothing in the first game of the doubleheader. Harden, the winning pitcher, his eighth win. He's lost two. Stevenson, the losing pitcher, he is three and one, no home runs. In the second ball game, Baltimore two, Boston nothing after three. Santiago the pitcher for Boston. Rickard going for the Orioles. And Boston in trouble. Detroit 
dropping Washington 8-3. The winning pitcher was Wilson. His 22nd win, he's lost 10. The losing pitcher was Bertana. He is now 6-6. Six and six. Hank Allen had a home run in the fourth, and Casanova a home run in the fifth were the only runs on home runs in that ball game. At the end of three in the second game, no score. Vicky Lolich going for the Tigers. He's 11 and 13. Barry Moore going for Washington. His record 7 and 10. Chicago playing Cleveland, and at the end of six and a half innings, Cleveland won. The White Sox nothing. Gary Peters pitching for the White Sox. He's 16 and 9. Lewis Keon working for the Indians. His record 11 and 9. At the end of five and a half innings, California, Kansas City. It's Kansas City three. The Angels nothing. Coach now pitching for the Angels. Jack Hamilton started with a record of eight and five. And Catfish Hunter going for Kansas City. His record 11 and 16. Right here, the Mets lost the first game eight to nothing. In the second game, they'll lead two to one as we go to the top of the fourth. And here is Lindsey Nelson for the play-by-play. Thank you very much, Ralph Cannon. Hello again, everybody. Doug Raiders up here to check swing ground ball back to the mound. Taken by McGraw and played over to Cranefield. There's one away. Don't forget, tomorrow night will be date night here at Chase Stadium. And Sunday afternoon is Fan Appreciation Day. When you're on top, stay there with Rheingold, Mr. Beer. The extra dry beer that goes down so nice, sits so nice when it gets there. Make it Mr. Beer. Make it Rheingold, and you make it big. Rusty Staub is up, a left-hand batter, and here is Doug McGraw's pitch. A little high for a ball. Here's another banner winner, second prize in the more than two division. We sparkle for the Mets. As I recall, there were lots of rhinestones in connection with that. Here's the pitch that's inside. 2-0. Here's the pitch in for a call strike, 2-1. The banners are being identified on the message board simply by the uh, slogan that appeared on it. Of course, uh, it doesn't begin to describe what the entire presentation embodied. And the slogan is only a portion of the banner itself, as far as the judges are concerned. Here's a 2-1 pitch, and it's inside. McGraw goes behind now to Rusty Staub. 3-1, he walks Staub in the second inning. The Astros won the first game here tonight by a score of 8 to nothing. Mike Cuellar got the win, his 15th of this season. Jerry Kuzman started for the Mets and took the loss. Staub had three hits in the first game here tonight. He calls time, moves back now, exercises a little, and comes back up. Bob Heiss played second base in the first game for the Mets here tonight. However, he is now departing for military duty. Here's a swing and a long drive to center. Hauled down by Don Bice for the out. A broken bat. Fly ball, half the bat went out to the mound. More of that this year than ever before. Bats that actually break right in half. As for one, he's coming up. And at one time, got it into a force play and later scored. The only run that the Astros have in this game, he scored it from third on a wild pitch by McGraw with the pitcher at bat. And that's your leading by a score of two to one. This pitch is low and away for a ball. Pitch is in for a call strike. 
At the end of three innings, the Baltimore Orioles two and the Boston Red Sox nothing. Jose Santiago against Pete Rickard, but now Eddie Watt has come in to relieve Pete Rickard. Here's a pitch outside. The Red Sox have scored five runs and they're still batting in the top half of the fourth inning. Baltimore won the first game tonight, 10-0. This will be a 2-1 pitch. Swung on and foul back. It's 2-2. But regardless of what happens now in the American League, tomorrow morning when you read the standings, the Minnesota Twins will be up there all alone. 2-2 delivery. Swung on and foul back. They'll be there because they played a game this afternoon and they won it. To move out a half game. Ahead of the contenders, they had been tied with the Boston Red Sox, but the Red Sox lost their first game. Even if they come back to win their second, they'll still trail the Minnesota Twins by a half game. Here's a 2-2 pitch. Swung on and tipped back into the glove of Gordy. Strikeout number five for Tug McGraw. He got the side in order. No runs, no hits, no errors, none left in the middle of the fourth. The score is... The Mets two and the Astros one. Now here's a word from Rheingold. In the bottom of the fourth now, it'll be Tommy Davis coming up. The Red Sox are out in the fourth. They got five runs, so they lead the ball to Orioles by a score of five to two. inside for a ball. Again, blasting game delivers, and it's far out and in the air to center field, and Jim Wynn ranges over near the warning track and makes the catch. Tommy Davis with a long fly ball to slightly right center. The note goes up on the board. The Red Sox scored five in the fourth, and you hear the crowd reaction. Sentimental favorites to win the American League Senate. Because they haven't won one since 1946. The Detroit Tigers are favored in many quarters because they haven't won one in 1945 since 1945. The Minnesota Twins, who are on top right now, one year before last. Here is a pitch to tie. And the Chicago White Sox, also in contention, won in 1959. Here's a 1-0 delivery. In for a call strike. It's 1-1. That was the first time they won in 59 since 1919. It's a long time in between, wasn't it? This pitch is low. The Detroit Tigers did not score in the fourth. Going to the bottom of the fourth second game. Detroit nothing, Washington nothing. Mickey Lolich against Barry Moore. Detroit won the first game, 8-3. to three. The White Sox and Cleveland are going to the eighth inning. Cleveland leading one to nothing. Here's a pitch, and it's low. Don McMahon relieved Gary Peters for the White Sox in the seventh. Luis Diaz been in all the way for Cleveland. The end of six, Kansas City three, California nothing. Gary Buchek got the plate with a count of three and one. The Mets leading here by a score of two to one. 
Here's a 3-1 delivery. In for a call, strike two. It's 3-2. This will be a payoff pitch. Joe Mook is waiting around on deck. Here's a delivery. And it's high for a ball. Ball four. Rising game second one gives him at the base runner. And Joe Mook is coming up. Ralph, I know you had this young fellow on your pregame show on the TV side. What do you have to say? Joe said that uh, very little. As a matter of fact, he's a very quiet, well-mannered, soft-spoken boy. He said he never played football at LSU, which is something we wanted to find out about. But he did uh, go to uh, college and play some uh, freshman activity. All right, here's a pitch to Mook, and it's high for a ball. One and He also said that his dad played some professional baseball just after the war. The war cut him out of some years, and that his dad gave him the theories that he has on hitting. Now the pitch, and it's low and away for a ball, 2-0. He's a good-looking young hitter, and he has some power. He's one of the few players that you see coming into the major leagues that can really sing a ball when they're that young. Jerry Buczek on at first base with one man out. Wade blasting game. Checks him in deals. Here's a swing and a drive, and it's on by second baseman Julio Gautier to right field for a base hit. Rusty Staub is up with it, and Buczek turns and holds it second. A line shot off the bat of Joe Mook. Julio Gautier made the dive for it, could not come up. So the Mets have runners at first and second, and Don Bush is the batter. We pause for station identification. This is the New York Mets Baseball Network. The glorious Mets never look better, Harry. Right, Phil. Here on WGY, 10 on your dial. Connected in New York. This is Lindsey Nelson with Ralph Kiner and Bob Murphy at Chase Stadium. The Mets are leading 2-1. to one. They have runners at first and second. There's one man out. Don Bosch is up. Larry Sherry throwing in the bullpen for Houston. Passing game. Pitch is high. Ball one. Jerry Grody's waiting on deck. The Astros have an infield of Doug Rader at first, Julio Gautai at second. Lee Bales at short, and Bob Astromani at third. Aaron Pointer's in left, Jim Wynn in center, and Rusty Staub is in right field. That runner's lead at first and second. It's a 1-0 pitch to Bosch, and it's inside. 2-0. Bosch is a switch hitter batting right here. Blasting game is 1-5 and lost 6 this year, and as Ralph Kiner told you, was out for a good long stretch with shoulder trouble. Not started since July until tonight. Here's the pitch. One out, and on the ground is short. Taken by Bales and Pisco to get side on the first for a double play. Short to second to first. The side is out. No runs are hit, no errors, and one left. In the four full innings, the score is the Mets two and the Astros one. They're all here, and they're all at Armory Garage, Central at Colvin and Albany. The brand-new Imperial, Chrysler, and Plymouth cars for 1968 are really automotive leaders. So, stop in and see the stars. There's Imperial, the Crown Imperials, and the most luxurious of them all, the Imperial LeBaron. 
And then there's Chrysler with the New Yorker, 300, Custom Newport, Newport, and Town and Country Wagon. You'll see all the new Plymouths, the Fury, Sports Fury, VIP, and the new Sports Fury Wagon. There'll be Belvedere's, Satellites, Sports Satellites, and the new Satellite Sport Wagon, not to mention the GTX and the exciting new Roadrunner. There's also the Sporty Barracuda and the economical Valiant and Valiant Signet models. It's the biggest opening selection in Armory's 49-year history. So don't miss the excitement at Central and Colvin in Albany, where Armory Garage, the largest Chrysler Plymouth dealer in the Northeast, has taken the wraps off the breathtaking lineup for 1968. play. The New York Mets, two runs, five hits, no errors, and the Houston Astros, one run, one hit, and no errors. Aaron Pointer is coming up to lead off. In the American League, the White Sox did not score in the eighth, going to the bottom of the eighth. It is Cleveland, one, the Chicago White Sox, nothing. The Baltimore Orioles did not score in the fourth, going to the fifth. It is the Boston Red Sox, five, and the Baltimore Orioles, two. That's the second game of a doubleheader. Baltimore won the first game, ten to nothing. Aaron Pointer has been up one time and he struck out. He's a right-hand batter facing left-hand pitcher Chuck McGraw. And the pitch is swung on and missed for strike one. Dave Adlesh, the catcher, is waiting on deck. Tomorrow night, Tom Seaver for the Mets and Dave Justy for the Houston Astros. Here's a swing and a miss. Two-strike count. Exercise from Jerry Grody. And the pitch swung on and missed. Strikeout number six for Tug McGraw. It'll bring up Adlish, who's been up one time and had a base hit. We're talking about the Chicago White Sox having won the American League Center in 1959. The man who had perhaps the most to do with that is coaching right now at first base for the Houston Astros. Nellie Fox. He was the second baseman for the White Sox that year and the most valuable player in the American League. Here's a pitch that's in for a call strike. One man out and nobody on base. Here's a swing and a foul ball off and out of play. That year in connection with a network free world series show we went down to visit Nellie Fox's hometown here's a pitch high St. Thomas, Pennsylvania near Chambersburg and it was an experience that uh, we'll never ever forget Nellie and a partner ran a bowling alley there at the time here's a one-two pitch swung on and missed another strikeout for Tug McGraw number seven two in this inning Wade Blasting game's coming up. He's been up one time and struck out. There was no sign on the bowling alley to indicate anything about who owned it or even that it was a bowling alley. And I said to Nellie the next time I saw him, gee, I think you'd have a sign on that bowling alley. He said, we don't need one. Everybody knows where it is. That's about the way it was. Here's a pitch inside for a ball. A 
McGraw has struck out seven and walked two. He's a pitch in for a call strike. The night that he beat Tug McGraw, the night that Tug McGraw beat Sandy Koufax, and certainly Tug's most memorable victory, he worked the first seven innings. Jack Fisher came out of the bullpen to finish up that job. Here's a swing and a foul ball back and out of play. It's one and two. Today started organizational meetings that will last for three days. Here's a one-two pitch. Right over the top of batting game's head, and he sits right down on the seat of his pants to get out of the way of it. Count goes to two and two. So around tonight are a number of members of the Met organization, including Bertie Tebbett, Whitey Herzog, Bob Sheffing. Bill Verdon, Roy Severs, Clyde McCullough, Pete Pavlik. 2-2 delivery. Hung on and foul back out of play. So the count holds on Wade Blasting game. Ball. He stays alive, just getting a little piece. The count holds it 2-2. Two men out. Mets leading by a score of 2-1. The Houston Astros won the first game here tonight by a score of 8 to nothing. That's a little high, and the count runs full at 3-2. Now the blasting game. This will be a payoff pitch, and it's on the way. Swung on and foul off again into the seats, and the count holds full at 3-2. And the payoff pitch again. Swung on and missed, strikeout number eight, and... Doug McGraw strikes off the side, one, two, three. No runs, no hits, no errors, none left. In the middle of the fifth, the score is. The Mets two and the Astros one. And this is John Lomenzo, uh, Secretary of State of New York. And I want to talk to you about your son or your husband who is fighting uh, for his country overseas and his right to vote in this coming election. This year, Governor Rockefeller signed a bill which makes it very simple for that serviceman to vote. Because now, instead of the serviceman making the application for a military ballot, you can do it for him. That is, you, his mother or father, or his wife, or his adult child can do it. And how do you do it? By writing a letter. And where do you write the letter? Well, to your local board of elections, or to the Department of State of the State of New York in Albany. And if you have any questions, write to me, because we will give you all the information you need to do this. Your son is probably the most important person in this entire matter. He has a right to vote. He's fighting for this government. Give him an opportunity. Write to me. In the bottom of the fifth, it'll be Jerry Grody coming up to lead off for the Mets. Cleveland did not score in the eighth, so going to the ninth inning, the Cleveland Indians are leading the Chicago White Sox one to nothing, and Luis Piad has a shutout going to this point.
Jerry Grody's been up one time and he struck out. Wade Blasting game started. He's been in all the way for the Houston Astros. He went from Atlanta, from the Braves, to Houston this year in exchange for Claude Raymond. Playing a drive in the center field for a base hit. Jim went over, scoops it up, plays it back. Grody turns and holds. The leadoff single for the Mets here in the fifth. Doug McGraw coming up in a sacrifice situation. It's been up one time, and he blooped the double down the right field line on a broken bat swing. At first base, Doug Rader comes over to hold. Here's the pitch to McGraw. He squares, takes inside. Bob Aspermonte, the third base, and they charge way in on the grass. It's ball one now to Tug McGraw. Tom Dukes and Chris Zachary are throwing in the bullpen for the Houston Astros. 1-0 pitch and McGraw, but foul back into the seats and out of play. It's 1-1. One, one. the runner at first with McGraw at the plate Amos Otis is on deck Otis is playing right field in this game and Don Bosch is playing center now we're getting set up Wade Blassingame with a pitch. McGraw squares. Bunts the ball up the first baseline. Blassingame takes it. Tags McGraw. He's out. Sacrifice to the pitcher unassisted. Moves Jerry Grody to second and brings up Amos Otis. Otis has walked so far. First time up. Running the ball to the right side. His second time up. lead in the game by a score of 2-1, to one, and they have a runner at second with one man out. Batting in the bottom of the fifth, second game of a twine-eye doubleheader. Blasting game now, off the stretch. Here's the pitch, and it's high and away for a ball. It's 1-0. Oh. Ed Cranville swinging a bat on deck. Otis has backed out of the plate. Comes back in. Now the 1-0 delivery. Breaking ball right in there for a call strike. It's one and one. Otis is batting leadoff in the Mets batting order. One-one pitch. Front, foul back out of play. It's one and two. 
Wes Westrom resigned yesterday as Met manager. Salty Parker was named to replace him for the remainder of this season. And Salty is running the ball club from the coaching lines at third base. It wasn't so very long ago that that was a fairly popular thing to do. But uh, it isn't done any longer. Leo DeRocher made a habit of running the club from third baseline. Johnny Keane did it on occasion, the Cardinals. Gene Mock of the Phillies, uh, for a good stretch, used to run the club from the coaching line to third. This will be a one-two pitch. And he is hit by the pitch ball, nipped him inside, and Otis apparently is all right. He runs on down to first base. Checks in with Coach Yogi Berra down there. He's exercising the left arm. So he just nipped his left elbow. Gives the nuts runners at first and second and brings up Ed Cranville. Now trainer Gus March is coming out of the net dugout to see about Amos Otis. The left arm in the area of the elbow. They're going to apply a little instant ice there to keep the swelling down. One of the quiz questions of the day is who was the last playing manager? Speaking of managers and where they run the club from, who was the last playing manager in the Major League? Most of the guess that you get most often is uh, Lou Boudreau. But actually, it was Stolly Heyman. In 1959 with the Cardinals. Right here, the Mets lead 2-1. to one. Cranville is in and waiting now. Met runners at first and second. One man out. And the pitch is high and away for a ball. Bob Johnson's on deck. The Detroit Tigers did not score in the fifth, going to the bottom of the fifth. Detroit nothing, Washington nothing in the second game. Detroit won the first game 8-3. to three. The Red Sox have picked up another run. They got one in the fifth. They lead 6-2, to two, going to the bottom of the fifth. Baltimore won the first game 10-0. It's a swing and a ground ball foul back to first. And as we told you, the White Sox are batting in the ninth, trailing 1-0. Now runners return. Otis to first, Grody to second. Got 1-1 one one to Cranville. game is taking the sign. The Med runners lead at first and second. The 1-1 pitch to Cranville. Swung on and pops up. Towards second base. Infield fly has been called. Julio Gotai makes the catch. Runners hold two away. Now Bob Johnson. And a ground single to drive and a run. His first time up. Grounded out third to first in the third. Johnson is hitting 341. Just a little more than a week to go in this season. This is the 86th game in which he has participated. Been up 220 times. 
That's in the air to right, and Rusty Staub is coming full tilt, and he's there, and he makes the catch. That is out, no runs, a hit, no errors, two left. Scores the end of five full innings. There's the Mets two and the Astros one. Well, the long winter months of hot stove league activity are coming up. And if you don't have a copy of the revised edition of the Met yearbook, might be a good time to pick one up to help solve all the arguments that will be taking place during the winter. The Met yearbook contains the complete professional record of each of the New York Mets, plus information on how he was signed, the amount of money that he got for signing, if he got a bonus, and his year-by-year record as he progressed through the minor leagues. There's also uh, behind-the-scenes stories, a complete squad picture in color suitable for framing, full page of autographs, candid shots of the Met players in their off-duty hours. The second revised edition of the 1967 Met yearbook is available by mail, and if you'd like a copy, send 65 cents to Med Yearbook, Shea Stadium, Flushing, New York, zip code 11368. Once again, it's 65 cents. That's actually 50 cents for the book and 15 cents for postage and handling. For a total of 65 cents, the Med Yearbook, Shea Stadium, Flushing, New York, zip code 11368. Through five innings of play, the Mets two runs, six hits, no errors. The Astros one run, one hit, no errors. Julio Gotai, number one in the batting order, coming up for the Houston Astros. He's nothing for two. He's a right-hand batter facing left-hand pitcher Chug McGraw. the pitch is swung on and pops up foul back at first toward the stands and it's going to go in and out of play. Right one. Trainville made the run over but to no avail. Gotai broke a bat. Gets another. Strike one to him with Lee Bales on deck. The last home weekend of the season for the Mets. They're here tomorrow night and Sunday afternoon. McGraw tries a screwball and it goes high, one and one. Brody sends out the sign, the one-one pitch, and it's low for a ball, two and one. Nobody on, nobody out. There's a swing and a miss. He really took a cut. Swinging all the way around on his heel. Two and two. Between games of the doubleheader tonight, we had the parade of banners. The Baltimore Orioles did not score in the bottom of the fifth. Here's a 2-2 pitch. Swung on and missed, and the bat slips out of Gotai's hand and goes all the way down past the dugout. Strikeout number nine for Tug McGraw. And he now has five in a row. Five consecutive strikeouts for Tug McGraw, and Lee Bales is coming up. He's nothing but one in a walk. 
The end of five inning second game. The Washington Red Sox six, the Baltimore Orioles two. Baltimore won the first game, 10 nothing. Here's a pitch outside. Going to the sixth inning of the second game. Detroit nothing, Washington nothing. Detroit won the first game, 8-3. The Chicago White Sox scored a run in the top half of the ninth inning. And that message is going up on the board right now. So it's tied 1-1 going to the bottom of the ninth in Cleveland. Here's a pitch in for a call strike. We have the winners now in the Banner Day competition. Here is a foul tip back into the glove of Jerry Grody. There were 2,317 banners in the parade, requiring the services of more than 3,700 people. This will be a 1-2 pitch to Lee Bales, with one man out and nobody on base. Swing on and miss, and McGraw has six consecutive strikeouts. A total of 10 in the ball game. Now Jim Wynn is coming up, routed into a fourth play and popped out to second base. The banner winner in the multiple group category, when spring comes, the Mets will have a vision. Would you believe first division? Pitch is low. And that was the entry of Robert, Frank, and Ralph Rusciavo. 15615 91st Street, Howard Beach. Robert is four, Frank is seven, Ralph is nine. Now, 1 0 delivery. There's Jim Wynn throwing it on the ground to short, and it's taken there by Jerry Buchek and played on over in time. The side is out. The National League record for consecutive strikeouts is eight. McGraw struck out. Six consecutive batters until Wynn grounded out. No runs, no hits, no errors, none left. Middle of the six, the score is the Mets two, the Astros one. We'll be going to the bottom half of the sixth inning. Other winners in the Banner Day competition. Doreen Caporell, eight years of age, 156-1991st Street, Howard Beach. Patricia Ferruccio, 9, 62, 13, 23rd Avenue, Brooklyn. First prize in the one-man category, the Mets are Kings of Queens, meaning the Borough of Queens. Bobby Jenkins, 15 years of age, 1500, Archer Road, the Bronx. Tommy Davis up for the Mets in the sixth. Lashing games pitch in for a call strike. First man, prize in the two-man category, we go ape over the Mets. Roy, 15, and Bill, 17, Herring. 1017 East 92nd Street, Brooklyn, New York. Those are the winners for the Banner Day competition. Swing the ground ball to the right side. Raider takes it and tosses the blasting game at first in time to get Davis. That'll bring up Jerry Buchek, who has grounded into a double play and walk so far in this game. The Mets lead by a score of 2-1. to one. We pause for station identification. This is the New York Mets Baseball Network. How about this for an exciting game, Harry? Uh, Bill, here on WGY, 10 on your dial in Schenectady, New York. This is Lindsey Nelson with Bob Murphy and Ralph Kiner at Shea Stadium in New York. One man out, nobody on base. Buchek up the pitch, is on foul on the ground. Back up first, out of play. Strike one. 
with Buchek at the plate. Joe Mook is on deck. Strike one pitch outside, and it's 1 1. Lasting game is struck out two and walked two. Passing game goes behind, two and one. Wade Blasting game of Fresno, California. Where a number of other National League pitchers hail from. Like Tom Seaver and Dick Stoma and Jim Maloney and Dick Ellsworth. Two-one delivery. Swung on it on the ground is short. Lee Bale follows it, picks it up, throws on, and in time. He got it. He had to go for it the second time. He came up empty the first time. Two away. Now Joe Mook. He's one for two. A sharp single to right. And the fifth inning. Passing game pitch. Low for a ball. Left-hand pitcher working here to a left-hand batter. Joe Mook from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Two men out, nobody on base in the sixth. Mets lead two to one. Playing a foul ball to the left side out of play, and it's one and one. Don Bosch has moved up there on deck. Now the 1-1 one, one pitch. This is outside, so it's two balls and one strike. Wind's ripping the flag a little uh, toward the left field corner. Just a little bit. Been gusting around at ground level here tonight. delivery. And away. So now batting against behind. Three and one. He kicks it the dirt out there on the mound. <laughs> and the three-one pitch. Swung on and fouled off. It's three and two. The count is full. Sends out the sign. And the payoff pitch is swung on and loops out into short left. And going back to take it is Lee Bale. So the side is out. No runs, no hits, no errors, none left. The end of six full innings. The score is the Mets two and the Astros one. Bob Murphy will be along for the play-by-play in just a moment. Right now, here's a word from Rheingold. Stretching down to the wire. You're shouting loud and your throat's on fire. But you're gonna make it. Gonna make it big. Your money's on Mr. Beer. Rhinegold. Make it Rhinegold. 
against Doug McGraw. New York, two runs, six hits, and no errors. The Houston Astros, one run, one hit, and no errors. Doug Rader, the first baseman, right-hand batter, struck out in the opening inning, and he bounced back to the mound in the fourth inning, nothing for two. Doug McGraw looking in to get a sign from Jerry Grody. Here's the pitch on the way to Raider, and it's hit through the hole, a base hit to left field. The Astros have their second hit of the game. Doug Raider leading off the seventh inning is on with a clean single hit through the hole. That brings up the right fielder, Rusty Stop. Rusty has reached on a walk and flied out to Don Bush. Eddie Cranepool moves over to hold against the runner. The pitch to stop, a check swing, and he held it up in time. Joe Mook is in close at third to guard against the possibility of the sacrifice bunt. Bob Aspermani, the on-deck batter. And the pitch by McGraw is taken low. A ball, two. It's two balls and no strikes. Doug issued a walk to Lee Bales in the opening inning, and he issued a walk to Rusty Staub in the second. Now he goes behind 3-0 as he misses with a fastball out near the shoulder. Three balls, no strikes. At the end of six innings, Detroit nothing, Washington nothing. And a strike called at the outside corner. He was taking all the way. Mickey Lowley's pitching for the Tigers and Barry Moore for Washington, and they go to the seventh inning scoreless. A battling ball club, the Chicago White Sox, shut out for eight innings. They rallied for a run in the ninth inning to tie the ball game. White Sox won and the Indians won there in the last of the ninth. Red Sox came from behind. They hit Baltimore with a five spot in the fourth inning. The Red Sox lead the Orioles six to two at the end of five innings after bowing in the opener ten nothing. And a pop foul hit back toward the crowd. No play. So it's three and two on Rusty Stout. 
Final score, Kansas City defeated California 3-1. A five-hitter by Jim Catfish-Hunter. Jack Hamilton was the starting and losing pitcher. Hamilton is now 1-8 and lost six. Red Sox have come up with two more runs in the sixth inning in Baltimore. They now lead the Orioles 8-2. Here's the 3-2 pitch, and it's high, ball four. And now Tug McGraw is in trouble. Runners at first and second, nobody out. And Salty Parker comes out of the dugout and jogs out to the mound to talk to Tug. That is the third walk given up by Tug. He had not walked a man since the second inning. We have warm-up action for the New York Mets. Dick Selma is cranking up. Mets now look for the bunt. Runners at first and second, nobody out, and Jerry Grody goes out to the mound. Bob Aspermani has reached on a fielder's choice and scored the lone Astro run. His second time up, he struck out. When Aspermani struck out in the fourth inning for the final out, it started the string of six in a row by Tug McGraw. Now the pitch on the way, a full swing and a missed strike one. Grady Hatton had Aspermani swinging away, and he went after a curveball, failed to get it. The on-deck batter is the left fielder, Aaron Pointer. He's a right-hand hitter. Doug Rader leading off second. Rusty Staub is on first. Nobody out. And the pitch by Tuggy bunts the ball foul back toward the screen and over the screen. So this time they changed the tactics. He was going to try and bunt him over, but he bunted it foul. Tug McGraw with a two-strike count on Aspermani. Now Tug comes to the stop position, the pitch on the way. He held up just in time. It was outside, one ball and two strikes. Aspermani started to go for it, then checked the swing. If the Red Sox can split with the Orioles, they will be a half game behind league-leading Minnesota. Now the runners edge away, the 1-2 delivery. Hit in the air, deep to left field. Back goes Tommy Davis, back to the warning track. He jumps, it's gone. A three-run homer. Aspermani connects for a three-run homer, and the Astros go out in front, four to two. Tommy Davis went back to the bullpen fence, jumped as high as he could, and it just cleared the wall. That ball carried well when it went off the bat. It looked like it could be caught, but it got up there and started to ride, and Tommy Davis kept going deeper and deeper. It went over the wall for a home run. 
For Aspromani, his sixth home run of the year. He now has 58 runs batted in. So the Astros go in front 4-2, to two, and the batter is Aaron Pointer. Pitch by McGraw, a fastball outside and a high. It's ball one. and no strikes on the left fielder Aaron Pointer he has been up twice both times Tug has struck him out the 2-0 delivery he has hit foul down the right field line Tug had a two-strike count on Bob Aspermani he hit a 1-2 delivery over the left field fence into the visiting bullpen Houston now has four runs on three hits off the outside corner, and Tug has a three and one count on Aaron Pointer. Tug was pitching brilliantly. He had a one hitter coming into the seventh inning. And a foul ball back, no play. Nobody on, nobody out. Three runs are in. The Astros have moved into the lead, four to two. Here's the payoff pitch by McGraw, and it's low, ball four, and he walks Aaron Pointer. That's the second walk this inning, and the fourth in the ball game for Tug. And now Salty Parker is on his way to the mound, and we're going to get a pitching change. Dick Selma has been warming up in the bullpen. Danny Frasella, our beg your pardon, Jack Fisher, is also working in the bullpen. Now McGraw is going out of the ball game, and Dick Selma is coming in. For six innings, Tug McGraw was the complete master. He allowed only one hit, and that was a bloop single by Dave Adley. And he struck out ten men in the first six innings, but suddenly lost his touch in the seventh. Now a hand for Tug as he leaves the ball game. Nobody out here in the seventh inning, so McGraw pitches six innings. At the moment, has given up four runs, allowed just three hits. He walked four and struck out ten. Dick Selma. Coming into his 35th game, Dick has won two and lost three. His last time out, he pitched three scoreless innings in relief to save the win for Les Rohr when Les made his Major League debut and got the win over the Los Angeles Dodgers. Salma has five saves to his credit. the announcement by Jack Lightcap putting Dick Selma into the ballgame. Here in the seventh inning, Doug Rader led off with a clean single in the left field. Rusty Staub reached on a walk on three and two. 
And Bob asked for money, hit a 1-2 pitch over the left field fence into the visiting bullpen, a three-run homer. Aaron Pointer reached on a walk. So Salty Parker then brought in Dick Selma, and Selma is throwing in his warm-ups. Cleveland did not score in the last of the ninth inning. So now they go to the tenth inning, the White Sox won and the Indians won. Stan Williams has come on in relief of Luis Tian. Wilbur Wood is the fourth pitcher called on by Eddie Stanky. There in the seventh inning at Washington, no score. Lolich against Barry Moore. Detroit beat Washington 8-3 in the first game. And the Red Sox now lead the Orioles 8-2 at the end of six innings in the second game. Baltimore blanked Boston 10-0 in the first game. Minnesota beat the Yankees 8-2 this afternoon. The White Sox did not score in the top of the 10th. Now Cleveland had batted the last of the 10th inning with a chance to win it. An old fire, Joy Wilhelm, has come on to pitch for the White Sox. And the pitch is over. Strike one call to Dave Adlish. Now Salma up in pitching position. A high pop fly into very short right field. Bob Johnson going out, coming in is Amos Otis, and Otis makes the catch. And they almost collided. Wade Blassingame comes up against Dick Selma. One out and one off. Blassingame has been up twice and both times. Tug struck him out. for the bunt as Blassingame steps in and Salma steps off. He's around the bunt. He doesn't offer and the fastball is high. Ball one. Houston four runs, three hits and no errors. New York two runs, six hits, no errors. He squares around and the pitch is over. Strike one call. One and one. Cleveland out in the last of the 10th inning. The White Sox and the Indians go to the 11th. The ball game tied, 1-1. One one. Hoyt Wilhelm, Chicago's fifth pitcher. And Stan Williams, Cleveland's second pitcher. Joe Mook in close at third, waiting for the butt. And the pitch. Inside and high, two balls and one strike. doubleheader of the year for the New York Mets. The 2-1 pitch is low, ball three, and Salma now is behind the opposing pitcher. Three and one. The Detroit Tigers have broken the scoreless deadlock in the top of the seventh inning with Bill Freehan driving in two runs. 
Tigers are now leading Washington 2 to nothing in the seventh inning, and they're still batting. Full count, three and two on Wade Blassingate. The base runner is Aaron Pointer, one man down. Joe Mook in close, still looking for the bunt. And now Selma steps off. Dick Selma relieved last Tuesday night and saved a game for Les Rohr against the Dodgers. Now a foul ball back into the screen. And blasting game hangs in there with a three and two count. If the Tigers win two, they will be one game out. They will gain a half game on Minnesota. If the Red Sox split, they will be a half game behind Minnesota. Now Casey Cox has relieved Barry Moore for the Senators in the top of the summit. He bunts it foul, strength three. Blasting game, trying to bunt on three and two, bunts the ball foul. Now there are two men away, and Julio Gotay is being called back to the dugout. And Sonny Jackson is coming up to hit for it. That's with a right-hander, Dick Salman, in the game, and so Grady Hatton is sending up the left-hand hitter, Sonny Jackson. Julio Gautai was 0 for 3. Now Sonny Jackson, he played short in the opening game this evening. In the opening ball game. Sonny Jackson had one for three. He stole a base. It was his 21st steal. Last year, as a rookie, he swiped 49. His percentage has been very good this year. He's stolen 21 bases, has been caught only seven times. Now the pitch by Selma, a foul ball back toward the screen. No play. Three runs are in on a three-run homer by Bob Aspermani. And the Astros have taken the lead four to two. Detroit, two runs across in the top of the seventh inning. At the end of six and a half, Detroit, two, Washington, nothing. Tigers won the first game eight to three with Earl Wilson winning his 22nd ball game. There goes the runner, hit the run, a foul ball back toward the crowd, no play. Two thousand three hundred and seventeen banners went on parade between games of the doubleheader tonight. Banners seem to get better and better every year. Now Selma checks his runner. And the pitch is outside and high. One ball, two strikes. Aaron Pointer is on first. He reached on a walk. Selma has come on to retire Dave Adlish and Wade Blassingame. 
is now pitching the pinch hitter, Sonny Jackson. Bosch playing rather shallow toward left center against Jackson. And it's inside and a high, two balls and two strikes. Here's the pitch on the way. The runner goes, a swing and a miss. He struck him out. Dick Selma strikes out Sonny Jackson. So Selma came out of the bullpen to get three hitters in a row. Three runs, two hits, no errors, one left on. At the end of six and a half, the Houston Astros four, the New York Mets two. They're all here, and they're all at Armory Garage, Central at Calvin and Albany. The brand new Imperial, Chrysler, and Plymouth cars for 1968 are really automotive leaders. So, stop in and see the stars. There's Imperial, the Crown Imperials, and the most luxurious of them all, the Imperial LeBaron. And then there's Chrysler with the New Yorker, 300, Custom Newport, Newport, and Town and Country Wagon. You'll see all the new Plymouths, the Fury, Sports Fury, VIP, and the new Sports Fury Wagon. There'll be Belvedere's, Satellites, Sports Satellites, and the new Satellite Sport Wagon, not to mention the GTX and the exciting new Roadrunner. There's also the Sporty Barracuda and the economical Valiant and Valiant Signet models. It's the biggest opening selection in Armory's 49-year history. So don't miss the excitement at Central and Colvin in Albany, where Armory Garage, the largest Chrysler Plymouth dealer in the Northeast, has taken the wraps off the breathtaking lineup for 1968. In the Houston infield, Sonny Jackson is now playing shortstop, and Lee Bales has moved over to second base. Don Bosch will be leading off for the New York Mets against Wade Blassingham in the last of the seventh inning. The Astros taking the lead 4-2 on the three-run homer by Bob Aspermani. Blassingham has allowed two runs, given up six hits. Bob Johnson singled home the first Mets run in the opening inning. After Houston had tied the game one to one, Eddie Crane threw a sacrifice fly, put New York in front two to one, and Tug McGraw was working on a one hitter going to the seventh inning. But in the seventh inning, a single, a walk, and a three-run homer by Aspermani put Houston in front. Grady Hatton comes out to the mound just as Blassingham was set to start out. And he's going to make a pitching change. Grady Hatton coming out to talk to Blassingham and I think he asked him about his arm. And the answer that he got indicated to him immediately that he wanted to make a pitching change. Carol Simbera is coming in from the bullpen. And he will be given adequate time to warm up. It shouldn't take him too long, however, because he has been working down there. So Blassingame is leaving the ball game after pitching six innings. He gave up two runs, allowed six base hits. 
Walk two. And struck out two. He's the pitcher of record as he leaves the scene. Carol Simbera coming in. Simbera has won two and lost six. This will be his 44th ballgame. He has relieved three times this year against the New York Mets. Simbera is a young pitcher out of Shiner, Texas. Simbera is 26 years old. A six-footer, he weighs about 160 pounds. Last year, he divided the season between Oklahoma City of the Pacific Coast League and the Houston Astros. His nickname is The Pencil because he's pretty slender. brought in by manager Grady Hatton. And he will be given as much time as he feels that he needs to get his arm good and ready. The Astros in front 4-2, and they won the opener of the doubleheader 8-0 on a five-hit shutout by Mike Cuellar. Now Sambera says he's ready, and Don Bice comes up to hit. Jerry Grody is the on-deck batter. Then the pitcher, Dick Selma, is scheduled up. Jack Fisher continuing to warm up in the New York bullpen. Now Sumbera, the right-hander, delivers and gets a strike on the outside corner. Bosch a switch hitter batting left against Carol Sumbera. Joe Torrey was hit by a pitch in the Atlanta-St. Louis game tonight and had to leave the ball game, but never lost consciousness. The injury is not considered serious at all. Sambara has a two-strike count on Don Bosch. Now the thin right-hander winds and pitches, and his sinker is low, one ball, two strikes. Mets have out hit the Astros 6-3, to three, but they trail 4-2. to two. The Astros getting the one timely long hit. Pitching one and two. Inside and low, Bosch lets it go, and it's two balls and two strikes. Fouled off. Tom Seaver will face the Astros tomorrow night, and Les Rohr will start his second major league game on Sunday afternoon. Les started and pitched very impressively against the Dodgers on Tuesday night and got his first Major League win. 
the 2-2 pitch. Ground ball hit toward the hole. Galloping Fortis Lee bails. He has it. And he throws to Raider in time for the out. We pause for station identification. This is the New York Mets Baseball Network. Sounds like a great Mets baseball game, Harry. Right, Bill, here on WGY 10 on your dial, Schenectady, New York. Bob Murphy with Lindsey Nelson and Ralph Kainer were in the last of the seventh inning, Houston leading 4-2. And Jerry Grody takes a breaking ball outside, ball one. Jerry singled to center his last time up. A strikeout victim, his first trip to the plate. And a curve that's over a strike, one ball and one strike. Carol Sembera has taken over for a Wade Blassing game in the last of the seventh inning. Ken Boswell has come out on deck as a pinch hitter. Round ball bounced to short, handled by Sonny Jackson. The peg to Doug Raider, two men down. Now Ken Boswell is going to hit for Dick Selma. And another excellent relief job by Dick Selma. He came out of the bullpen and retired three hitters in a row. Getting Dave Adley, striking out Wade Blassingham, and striking out pinch hitter Sonny Jackson. Ken Boswell takes inside, it's ball one. Kenny got the first hit off Mike Cuellar in the fifth inning of the opener when he doubled to left center. And a pop fly into shallow left field. Aaron Pointer glides in, he's under it, and he makes the catch, the side is out. Mets go down, one, two, three, and they're half of the seventh. No runs, no hits, no errors, none left. At the end of seven, the Houston Astros four, and the New York Mets two. In the National League, the Chicago Cubs headed toward their first first division finish in 20 years. Defeated Cincinnati this afternoon at Wrigley Field, three to two. Rookie right-hander Joe Necro, only his second year in professional baseball, went all the way in the three to two win and won his tenth ball game. Billy McCool was the loser in relief of Jim Maloney. Tonight, the St. Louis Cardinals lead the Atlanta Braves 2-1 at the end of five. Denny LeMaster pitching for the Braves. Jack LeMade has relieved rookie Mike Torres in the top of the sixth inning, so the Braves may have something going. Philadelphia at Los Angeles later tonight and Pittsburgh at San Francisco later tonight. Jack Fisher is coming in to take over the New York Mets pitching. In the American League pennant race, Minnesota stepped into undisputed possession of first place by defeating the New York Yankees 8-2 this afternoon. Jim Cott, pitching a seven-hitter, won his 15th game. Mel Stottlemyre was the loser. Tovar homered twice, and Versailles hit one. Baltimore, with Jim Harden on the mound, blanked the Red Sox 10-0 in the opener of a doubleheader tonight. They beat Jerry Stevenson, and Baltimore jumped out to a 2-0 lead in the nightcap. But the Red Sox exploded, scoring five runs in the fourth inning. And now, at the end of seven, the Red Sox lead the Orioles by a score of eight to two. They have Jose Santiago on the mound. If the Red Sox go on to gain a split, they will be in second place, one half game behind Minnesota. Detroit defeated Washington eight to three in the opener with Earl Wilson hurling the complete game for his 22nd win. Frank Bertania was the loser. 
In the nightcap, no score at the end of six, and then Detroit broke through, getting two runs on the top of the seventh. Mickey Lolich pitching for the Tigers. Casey Cox has replaced Barry Moore. If the Tigers sweep, they will be in third, one game behind Minnesota. The White Sox and the Indians are now playing in the last of the 11th inning, and the game is tied one-to-one. Hoyt Wilhelm is the fifth pitcher used by Eddie Stanky. Stan Williams, the second, used by Joe Adcock. Kansas City beat California 3-1. to one. Now Lee Bales is the leadoff batter as we go to the eighth inning, and he tries to bunny his way on, bunts the ball foul. Jack Fisher, nine wins and 18 losses on the year. Appearing in his 38th game. And a line drive fouled on the left field line. No play. A two-strike count. This is only the eighth time all year that Jack has been called on in relief. From here until the end of the season, the youngsters will handle the starting assignments. The two-strike delivery. Ground ball to shortstop. Gliding to his left as Buczek. He's up with it. Throws to first in time for the out. One away in the top of the eighth inning, the center fielder, Jimmy Wynn, will be coming up. One for five in the opener. He has gone 0 for three in the second game. Houston winning in the opener, 8-0 on a five-hitter by Cuellar. He won his 15th game of the year and pitched his 15th complete game. Curve outside, ball one. And a curveball by Jack Fisher is outside. Two balls and no strikes. Breaking ball again is outside. He goes behind on Jimmy Wynn, 3-0. You know. Rio delivery. Fastball right in there, 3-1. Breaking ball on the outside corner, three and two. <laughs> Washington did not score against Biggie Lolich and Detroit in the last of the seventh. Foul ball back, no play. At the end of seven, Detroit two, Washington nothing. Cleveland out in the last of the 11th inning. They go to the 12th inning with the game tied one to one. and nobody on top of the eighth inning the Astros leading four to two and a fastball just outside ball four in the eighth inning at Washington Norman Cash has just homered nobody on so Detroit has increased its lead over Washington to three to nothing and the Red Sox got two more in the eighth inning they're leading Baltimore ten to two after seven and a half innings. <laughs> and a quick throw to first. Not in time. Jimmy Wynn steps back. The batter is Doug Rader, the first baseman and cleanup hitter. 
He started Doug McGraw's downfall in the last inning when he singled to left field leading off. Here's the pitch on the way. A wild pitch by Jack Fisher. Jimmy Wynn moves to second base. And Grody throws the ball to second. Now the play of third. He is out. Bob Jensen to Joe Moose. Jimmy Wynn took a long turn around second after the wild pitch. And Jerry Grody pegged from the backstop. And the minute he turns the throw loose, it looked like Wynn was baiting him, trying to set a trap for Grody to do that. He turned it on, thinking he could make third base. But Bob Johnson took Grody's strong throw and pegged over to Joe Moot. And Wynn, with a head-first slide, when he got there, the ball was waiting for him. A drive hit deep to left. Back goes Tommy Davis on the warning track. He one-hands it. grab by Tommy Davis. Ball well hit by Doug Rader and he went on the warning track back into the corner and reached up and grabbed it with one hand running at full speed. No runs, no hits, no errors and none left. At the end of seven and a half innings, the Astros four and the New York Mets two. Now here's a word from Rangel. Your fishing rod bends. You give him some play. Be a ten pounder. Gonna be a big day. Yeah, you're really making it, making it big. So reel in a six pack of Mister Beer. time at bat. And he takes a breaking ball low and away, ball one. Amos hitting 294. Down comes the pitch by Simbera. Inside and low, ball two. It's two and oh. Eddie Crane pull on deck and then Bob Johnson. Houston, four runs, three hits, and no errors. New York, two runs, six hits, no errors. This is over at the knees for a strike, two and one. Now the pitch on the way, a foul ball back upstairs, no play. The White Sox did not score in the 12th inning. You really have to hand it to the White Sox. What a battling, scrapping ball club. The end of seven and a half. The Tigers lead Washington 3-0. 
The White Sox are fighting for their lives tonight. Here's the pitch by Simbera. It's three and two. If the White Sox lose their battle with Cleveland, they will be two full games behind Minnesota. Swing and a miss. The ball is dropped, picked up, thrown to first by Dave Adley. One away. In the loss column, the margin will be the same, two. If the White Sox can win that battle, they'll remain just one game behind. Eddie Crane ruled as the hitter against Carol Simbera, and the breaking ball is over, strike one. Eddie has one for two, an RBI picked up on a sacrifice fly. Grounder hit down the first baseline, a fair ball taken by Raider. He steps on the bag, two men down. So two outs in the last of the eighth inning. For the Astros in front, four to two. At the end of eight innings now in Baltimore, the Red Sox lead the Orioles ten to three. Minnesota and the Red Sox will meet head-on the last two days of the season in Fenway Park. Now the pitch to Bob Johnson is over for a call strike. By the way, those two games are the only remaining meetings as far as the contenders are concerned. Now slowly down to third, no chance to get him. It's a base hit for Bob Johnson. Tommy Davis comes up. He'll be the tying run at bat. Say, when you're making it big, grab on to a Rheingold, Mr. Beer. So dry, you can drink glass after glass and still have room for another. So make it Mr. Beer, make it Rheingold, and you make it big. And the pitch. Fouled off the leg of Tommy Davis. That one hurt. Tommy hobbling around, trying to shake the pain out of his leg. Tommy has one for three. He singled a right field back in the first inning. Eddie Cranepool trying to score from second on the base hit was thrown out by Rusty Stop. Johnson is on first with an infield hit. Slow grounder down the third baseline. Simbera came off the field and near the line. By the time he turned and looked, it was too late to throw. And a grounder with a big hop into left field for a base hit. Bob Johnson stops at second. The tying runs are off. Tommy Davis hitting down on the ball and hitting it hard. It took a high hop beyond the reach of Aspermonti and into left field. That's Tommy's second hit of the game. He's now two for four. He went 0 for three in the opener. Leon Jones is coming out to run for Tommy Davis. Now the tying runs are on with New York behind four to two, and the hitter is Jerry Butcher. 
Curry has good power if he gets a hold of one. The pitch by Sembera. Hit high in the air to left field. It's well hit. Back to the wall is Pointer. He won't be able to get it. Down! back into the lead with a three-run homer. A towering fly ball that landed in the visiting bullpen in left field. Now Joe Mook is up against Sembera at his ball one. For Jerry Buczek, his 12th home run of the year. He raises his RBI total to 35. Jerry is now tied with Ryan Sloboda. For second place on the ball club in home run. Bouncing ball hit right back to the mound, fielded by Sembera. He throws to first in time. But the Mets grab the lead on a dramatic three-run homer by Jerry Boucher. Three runs, three hits, no errors, none left. At the end of eight innings, the New York Mets five, the Houston Astros four. The ninth inning, Rusty Staub leading off against Jack Fisher. Fisher will have to face Staub, Aspermani, and Pointer in the top of the ninth. The Mets waiting 5-4 on Jerry Butchek's three-run homer. Cleon Jones is now playing left field. So the Mets have Jones, Bosch, and Otis in the outfield. Eddie Crane pulled at first, Bob Johnson at second, Jerry Butchek at short, and Joe Mook at third. Cleveland did not score in the home 12th inning, and now the White Sox and the Indians go to the 13th inning, tied up 1-1. to And the pitch is inside to Rusty Staub, it's ball one. They're going to the 9th inning in Washington now, Detroit leading the Senators 3-0, as Mayo Smith's Tigers bid for a sweep of the doubleheader. And a line drive, base hit to left field, the tying run is on. In the ninth inning at Baltimore. It's 10 to 3 Red Sox. Bona down the third base line, a foul ball. Ron Taylor and Jerry Kusman are warming up in the New York Mets bullpen. Jerry started the first game tonight, but was hit by a wildness in the second inning. Stab on first, nobody out. Mets trying to protect a one-run lead. Now the pitch. He bunts it. It's a fair ball. Jerry Grody after it picks it up. The play goes to first in time. And now the tying run goes over to second base. The left fielder, Aaron Pointer, is the batter. He has struck out twice and reached on a walk. Six innings tonight, Tug McGraw had about as good a stuff as you can look at. He struck out ten men the first six innings. The concern right now is Aaron Pointer. 
Right-hand batter waiting. The pitch by Fisher is high. Ball one. Fisher is now the pitcher of record and has a chance to pick up his 10th win of the year if he can protect the lead. Pitchers of record are Jack Fisher and Carol Simbera. And the pitch. It's over at the knees. One ball, one strike. Rusty Stab on second base, one man out. Now Fisher deals a ground ball, hit the shortstop. Bootcheck holds the runner, throws to first, two down. Dave Adlish is coming up to hit. Adlish has one hit and three times at bat. He singled the left center in the second inning. Fisher looking in to Jerry Grady. Two men away, top of the ninth inning. Here's the pitch on the way. Fastball over, strike one call. <laughs> Let's have the outfield to stride the left against Adley's right-hand batter. He bends from the waist. And the pitch on the way, low and outside, grabbed by Jerry Grody. One ball and one strike. Now Hal King has come out on the on-deck circle to bat for Carol Sembera. The 1-1 delivery, foul ball. That pitch was way inside, and Adlish was trying to bail out, and the ball hit his back. Saw the Mets get a break on that one. One ball and two strikes. Mets trying to split the doubleheader. Came from behind the last of the eighth inning on a three-run homer by Jerry Butchuk. Jerry's 12th home run of the year. Pitching one and two. Curve hit on the ground toward the hole. Bootcheck boots the ball. It goes across the line. The game's going to be tied up. Staub comes home. Jerry Bootcheck racing into the hole. Had he fielded the ball clean, he could not have thrown out the runner, but the run would not have scored. But in his haste to try and pick it up, it went against his shin. He kicked it across the line and over into foul territory. Now Hal King is coming up as a pinch hitter. It'll be a base hit all the way, and it drives in the tying run. It's now five to five. Now the pitch to King, the left-hand hitter who had a big year in the minor leagues. It's all tied up, five to five. And the pitch to the left-hand hitter, a swing and a miss. Oh, does he take a swing? He hit 35 home runs to minor leagues this season. Ball was hit so far over in the hole 
by Dave Adlish. There was no way Butchek could have thrown out Adlish. And the curve is popped up. Near second base, Bob Johnson takes it for the out. One run, two hits, no errors, and one left on. And at the end of eight and a half innings, the Astros five and the Mets five. Last of the ninth inning here at Shea Stadium, the game tied up five to five. On the mound for the Houston Astros, tall right-hander Tom Dukes. Tom has been in 15 games since coming up to the Astros. All 15 appearances have been in relief. He was pitching in relief during the regular season with Oklahoma City in the Pacific Coast League. With the Astros, he has won none and lost one. But he has pitched well in relief. The last 10 games, he's been scored on only twice. Don Bosch will lead off against right-hander Tom Dukes, D-U-K-E-S. New York, five runs, nine hits, and no errors. The Astros, five runs, four hits, and no errors. Now Dukes into his windup, and the pitch is low and away, ball one. This has been a seesaw battle. The Mets led one to nothing. The Astros tied it. The Mets led a second time, two to one. Then Houston grabbed the lead for the first time on the three-run homer by Astromani. The Mets came back on Buchek's three-run homer to have the lead for the third time. The Astros bounced back again and tied the ball game. So three times the Mets have had the lead in this game. Houston has had the lead on one occasion. The 1-1 delivery by Tom Dukes all away over the catcher's head and to the backstop. Two balls and one strike. One delivery. A drive in the air to center field. Jimmy Wynn cutting over toward left center and he makes the catch. Ball hit well by Don Bice, but it stayed up there and Wynn had it all away. Now before Jerry Grody steps in, we step out for station identification. This is the New York Mets Baseball Network. Mets are really playing a spirited game, Harry. Uh, right, Bill? Here on WGY, 10 on your dial. Good Bob Murphy with Lindsey Nelson and Ralph Kainer were in the last of the ninth, and the pitch to Grody turns him away. One ball and no strike. They're in the last of the ninth inning in Baltimore with the Red Sox leading the Orioles 10 to 3. Baltimore won the first game 10 to nothing. Swing and a miss on a curveball. One ball, one strike. Larry Stahl has come out on deck. He's going to hit for Jack Fisher. Ron Taylor is getting ready in the bullpen. The 1-1 pitch to Grody. Swing and a miss on a breaking ball. One ball, two strikes.
Pitching one and two. It's outside and low, and Jerry lays off, so the count is two and two. Jerry has one for three, singled back in the fifth inning. The Mets scored single runs in the first and third, and three runs in the eighth inning. Pitching two and two. And a foul ball sent back into the crowd. The Chicago White Sox-Cleveland game is now the last of the 13th inning, tied up one-to-one. And a pop fly outside third in foul ground. Aspermani right over to the railing, jumps up, gets a glove on it, but can't hold it. And Grody gets a light. Bob thought the ball was going to require him to lean over the fence, over the railing. He jumped a little bit too soon. Eddie Stanky now has Roger Nelson in the game in the last of the 13th inning. He's called on six pitchers. Fouled off. Against the chest protector of the plate umpire, Frank Desolan. Any way you look at it, Minnesota is in first place all by themselves at the moment, although their margin is very scant. Here's the pitch on the way. A swing and a miss. He struck him out. Well, the White Sox just lost a tough one. Tony Horton has just homered to break the game up in the 13th inning. Cleveland winning in the bottom half of the 13th inning. And the White Sox are two full games behind Minnesota. Now Larry Stahl is going to hit for Jack Fisher. Fisher got a tough break on the ground ball that was booted by Buczek, although Jerry could not have thrown the hitter out. Had he just fielded the ball, the runners would have been at first and third. Fisher then got the next hitter out, and that would have been the ball game. Larry Stahl is batting for Jack Fisher. Facing the right-hander, Tom Dukes, were in the last of the ninth inning. And the pitch hits high, he lays off. Detroit got a run in the ninth inning. They go to the last of the ninth, leading Washington 4-0. And it's on the inside corner. A call strike, one and one to Larry Stahl. Ron Taylor will be out to pitch in the tenth unless the Mets can win it here in the bottom half of the ninth inning. The 1-1 pitch, check swing, and a foul ball. Over the dugout roof and into the crowd. Cleveland defeated the White Sox 2-1 in 13 on a home run in the 13th by Tony Horton. That, I believe, is his 10th home run of the year. Stan Williams, the winner in relief, he came on in the 10th. And Roger Nelson, who came in in the 13th inning, gave up the home run and is the losing pitcher. Pitching 1-2. and two, And he pops it up. Sonny Jackson on the skin part of the diamond is calling for it. And between second and third, he takes it for the out. And that's out in order, facing Dukes in the last of the ninth. 
No runs, no hits, no errors, and none left. So, at the end of nine, the Houston Astros five and the New York Mets five. You have a handkerchief and a cigarette? Well, try this. Blow a stream of smoke through your handkerchief before and after inhaling the smoke from your cigarette. See what happens? The stain on your handkerchief is a substance contained in inhaled cigarette smoke that's known as tobacco tar. It's dangerous because it's deposited in your lungs by the cigarette smoke you inhale. And all too often, the result is chronic bronchitis and emphysema. Emphysema. It impairs the action of your lungs, cripples your breathing apparatus, can often kill. But the risk of being disabled, perhaps dying of emphysema, can be greatly reduced whenever a heavy smoker stops smoking cigarettes. Such a simple solution such a simple decision. For more information on cigarette smoking and its relationship to emphysema, write the U.S. Public Health Service, Washington, D.C. for your free booklet on emphysema. Could be very important to you. Ron Taylor is now pitching for New York. Ron has won three and lost six. This will be his 47th ball game. Ron has five saves to his credit. Jack Fisher worked two innings. Gave up one run, allowed two hits. Walked one and struck out none. In the tenth inning, Sonny Jackson, the leadoff batter and shortstop, will be coming up against Ron Taylor, followed by Lee Bales and then Jimmy Wynn. In extra inning ball games, the Houston Astros have been involved in 17. They've won seven and lost 10. The Mets have played 16 extra inning ball games this year, winning eight and losing eight. Sonny Jackson batting for the second time since he came in the game. And the pitch is down around the knees, ball one. He was struck out as a pinch hitter in the seventh inning. He then stayed in the ball game, going to short, and Lee Bales moved over to second. It's right in there for a call strike, one ball and one strike. Houston has been a tough ball club for Ron Taylor. Joe Mook in close at third. He ran up as if to bunt, but didn't offer it. It was low inside. Two balls and a strike. The New York Mets, five runs, nine hits, and no errors. The Astros, five, five, and oh. The pitchers of record now are Ron Taylor and Tom Dukes. The 2-1 delivery, and a smash to short, caught by Jerry Buchek, one man down. A shoulder-high line drive. Now Lee Bales, the second baseman, comes up. He has reached on a walk, otherwise gone 0 for 3. You talk about despair. 
Foul ball into the Houston dugout. Boyle, Boyle without a shot. Bails the on-deck batter. Lived up to his name. He bailed out in a hurry. Oh, that was a wicked shot going into the Houston dugout. Speaking of despair, Eddie Stange brought Roger Nelson in to face Cleveland in the last of the 13th inning. He threw exactly one pitch. Tony Horton hit it out of the park. The game was over. Here's the pitch on the way. And a soft liner caught by Joe Mook. Soft shoulder-high line drive. Two men down. Now two away in the tenth that brings up Jimmy Webb. It's all over in Baltimore, and the Red Sox and the Orioles split the doubleheader. Boston came from behind to win the nightcap 10-3. They were trailing 2-0 at the end of three. Santiago the winner, and Pete Rickert the loser. Baltimore won the opener 10-0 on a five-hit shutout by Jim Harden. He beat Jerry Stevenson. So the Red Sox, by splitting, are in second, a half game behind Minnesota. Swing and a miss by Jimmy Wynn. The Tigers are winning a doubleheader. They're in the last of the ninth inning, leading Washington 4-0 in the second game. Pitch by Ron Taylor drives the hitter away. One ball and one strike. He had to get out of there. Detroit, with a sweep, will be in third, one game back. At a swing and a miss. One ball and two strikes. And Jimmy Wynn is not making any pretenses about what he's trying to do. He is trying to hit it out of the ballpark. He almost jumped off the ground on that high fastball. It's one ball and two strikes to Jimmy Wynn. The White Sox in fourth place, two games back. Pitching one and two. And a line drive caught by Joe Mook. The side is out. Three line drives all were caught and the side is out. Joe Mook caught two and Jerry Bootcheck caught one. No runs, no hits, no errors, and none left. After nine and a half innings, the Astros five and the Mets five. There are now more than a quarter million potentially poisonous products on the market. And new ones appear every week. Many are not recognized as dangerous. New cosmetics, medicines, paints, detergents, fertilizers, and others. Children are the chief victims of accidental poisoning, but it could happen to anyone. Your family doctor can help prevent tragedies. Let him advise you on home safety and accident prevention. Presented in the interest of your family's health by the American Academy of General Practice. Now the last of the tenth inning... Amos Otis leading off against the tall right-hander, Tom Dukes. And the curve is hit foul. It comes up and hits Otis on the leg. Amos has only one official time at bat in the ballgame. That was in the eighth inning, and he was struck out. Otherwise, he has reached on a walk, sacrificed, and been hit by a pitch. Nuts are playing their 17th overtime game. The Astros are playing their 18th. Eddie Cranepool on deck, then Bob Johnson. Now the windup by Dukes and the pitch to Otis. A fastball over, strike two. 
It's all over in Washington. The Tigers sweep, winning the nightcap four to nothing on a four-hit shutout by Mickey Lolly. So the action is all over now with the contenders in the American League. Two-strike delivery, and the curve low and away. One ball and two strikes. So Minnesota beat the Yankees 8-2 in a day game. Baltimore and the Red Sox split. Detroit swept Washington. And Cleveland defeated Chicago on a 13th-inning home run by Tony Horton. Foul ball back, no play. The Minnesota Twins are in first place. The Red Sox in second, a half game back. Detroit is now in third, one game out. The White Sox in fourth are two full games back. Pitching one and two. Swing and a miss, he struck him out with a curveball. Tom Dukes in relief has now retired four in a row, and that's his second strikeout. Eddie Cranepool has singled a right. Driven in a run with a sacrifice fly. It was a line drive to center. Top to second and bounce to first. Eddie one for three and a run batted in. Fastball taken high. One ball and no strikes. Breaking ball off the outside corner. Two balls and no strikes. Low and away, it's ball three. delivery, a call strike on the outside corner, three and one. Three one delivery by Tom Dukes. He has hit down the left field line, but it's going foul. Sails over into the field boxes, and we have a full count on train pool, three and two. The Mets without hit the Astros, nine to five. The Mets were leading 5-4 going to the ninth inning. The Astros got a run with two down in the top of the ninth inning to tie it up. And a fly ball hit in the air to left field. Aaron Pointer moving toward the line is under it and takes it to the out. Two men away, Bob Johnson coming up. Bob has two hits and four times up. Here's the pitch on the way. And a fly ball hit toward the gap in right center field. It'll be in for a base hit. Johnson is around first on his way to second. And Bob pulls in at second with a double. The winning run is on second on Bob Johnson's third hit of the game. A long double to right center field. Leon Jones will be coming up for the first time. He came in the game in the eighth inning to run for Tommy Davis. 
Now Bud Harrelson is coming in the ballgame to run for Bob Johnson. running for Bob Johnson. The hitter is Cleon Jones. This will be Cleon's first time up in the game. Enough for the chance to win it here on the last of the tenth inning on a two-out double to right center by Bob Johnson. Bob Johnson has hit the ball hard all year long. <laughs> now Cleon cocktails the bat, cocks it off the right shoulder, and the pitch by Tom Dukes a curve outside ball one. Tom Dukes, tall right-hander, pitching in relief. He had retired five in a row in relief when Johnson hit the long double to right center field. Now Harrelson, the pinch runner, leads off second. Here's the pitch on the way. Breaking ball outside, two balls and no strikes. Jerry Buchek waiting on deck. In the eighth inning, with the Mets trailing 4-2, to two, Jerry hit a three-run homer, sending New York in front 5-4. to four. Pitching 2-0. Curve a swing and a miss. Two balls and a strike to Cleon Jones. Cleon hitting 237 has five homers and 39 runs batted in. But Harrelson is the winning run, building a lead off second base. Now Duke checks the runner with a 2-1 pitch. Curve is swung on. Foul tip. It's two balls and two strikes to Jones. Bottom half of the 10th inning. Yogi Berra coaching it first. Charlie Parker running the ball club off the coaching lines at third. Dukes pitching deliberately with the ball game hanging in the balance. Now Dave Adleach signs for the pitch. And now Dukes takes so much time that Cleon Jones asks for time and he steps out. Here's the stretch by Tom Dukes. The 2-2 delivery. Fastball high. It's 3-2. Full count now. 3-2 to Cleon Jones. Now Dukes checks the runner. And the payoff pitch, a foul ball back into the crowd, and we do it again.
Tommy Davis had two for four while he was in the ball game. Tommy had a big hit on the eighth inning. Astros have the outfield rather deep and a step to left against Cleon. The three-two pitch. And a blooper hit down the right field line with a stay fair. Foul ball. Missed by inches. Harrelson was all the way home. How many times have you heard the man say it's a game of inches? You couldn't have put an egg between where that ball landed in the line. Hit off the end of the bat, a bloop down the right field line beyond the reach of Raider, the first baseman, but just foul. So near and yet so far. Three and two once again on Cleon. Now Harrelson leads off second, Dukes into the stretch. Here's the pitch on the way. Ball four. Gary Buczek comes up. Runners on first and second. Well, you can't hardly say he's due. He paid his dues the last time up. Double play, walked and bounced out. One for three, a three-run homer. Five to five, last of the tenth inning. Two men down, runners on first and second. Here's the pitch on the way, and a foul ball hit back over the screen, strike one. Let's have wonderful speed on the baseline. And Bud Harrelson and Cleon Jones, the only one they need, is to get Harrelson home. Just about any kind of a hit would score him the way he can fly. Here's the pitch on the way. And a high fly hit deep to left field, way back. It's going down a home run. on the second three-run homer by Jerry Buczek. Well, Jerry has hit his 12th and 13th homers and driven six of the eight runs across the plate. And the Mets win it by a final score of 8-5. to five. It was almost too much to expect. If there was anybody in the lineup not due, it was Jerry Buczek having hit a three-run homer in the eighth inning. But he hit a curveball, and he hit this one further than the last one. Well back into the bullpen, and the Mets win it by the score of 8-5. to five. In, the in the 10th inning, three runs on two hits, no errors, and none left on. So, for Jerry Buczek, it is quite a night. He hit his 12th and 13th home runs. He raised his RBI total from 32 to 38. Jerry also puts his name in the Mets record book, tying the old record held by Frank Thomas for most runs batted in in one ballgame. Six RBIs. 
Buchek driving home six of the eight runs, and the Mets get a split of the doubleheader. On the batting heroics of the native of St. Louis, Missouri, Jerry Buchek. The line score as the Mets win the overtime game. For the New York Mets, eight runs, 11 hits, no errors. For the Houston Astros, five runs, five hits, and no errors. The winning pitcher in relief is Ron Taylor, and he deserved a break because he's been pitching without many good ones. Ron wins his fourth game against six losses, and the losing pitcher in relief is Tom Dukes. He now has won none and lost two. So the Banner Knight doubleheader is split. The Astros won the opener 8 to nothing on a five-hit shutout by Mike Cuellar. The Mets came from behind to win the nightcap. They were trailing by a score of 4-2 to two going to the eighth inning. And in the eighth inning, Jerry Butchek hit a three-run homer, putting New York out in front 5-4. to four. With two down in the top of the ninth inning, the Astros tied the game. And the Mets win it in the last of the tenth inning on Butchek's second three-run homer. The Mets and the Astros again tomorrow night, game time, 8 p.m., Dave Justy against Tom Seaver. Tom going for his 16th win. Then the last home game of the year on Sunday at 2 p.m. Remember, Sunday is Fan Appreciation Day. The final scores in tonight's doubleheader as the Mets and the Astros split. Houston winning the opener 8-0 and the New York Mets the nightcap 8-5. New York Mets baseball has been brought to you by Rheingold Beer as another in its continuing parade of major sports events. It's their way of saying thank you for making Rheingold New York's largest selling beer. Rheingold, either you have it or you don't, and Rheingold's got it. The New York Mets baseball was also brought to you by Armory Garage, Central at Colvin in Albany, where you can move up to luxury at a price you can afford. Ten on your dial, the bright sound of radio for the great northeast, WGY Schenectady. The 68s are in at Heath, Buick, and Pontiac in Saratoga. This means bigger savings and better savings on all the 67 models left in stock. Ray Heath still has over 30 1967 Buicks and Pontiacs, plus a limited number of executive cars and demonstrators. And they're all going at tremendous savings. Now, if you want the year's best buy in a brand new 67 Buick or Pontiac, head for Heath. Heath, Buick, and Pontiac, South Broadway, in Saratoga. It's 28 and a half minutes after 11 o'clock. News next from NBC. NBC Radio News on the Hour. Now here is Dean Mel. The United States military headquarters in Saigon waited 48 hours before announcing that 16 Marines were killed making an assault on a North Vietnamese artillery position just south of the so-called demilitarized zone. The attack was made Thursday near Con Tien. On Friday, American jets dropped tons of bombs on the buffer strip in an attempt to silence North Vietnamese guns that have been inflicting such heavy casualties on American defenders. In Washington, two Republican senators said the United States should refuse to send one more American fighting man to Vietnam until the South Vietnamese government greatly expands its own war effort. Senator Edward Brooke of Massachusetts and Clifford Case of New Jersey accused the Johnson administration of not demanding a greater effort from the South Vietnamese themselves. Brooke said there is no question that the United States' commitment is a worthy one, but he said this is not our war. 
Case added, the administration bears responsibility for not getting a greater military commitment from the South Vietnamese themselves.